Hey, Maple Town, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that next week is Thanksgiving, and Darren and I will not be releasing an episode over the week of Thanksgiving. So we're going to take a week off of recording, and then we'll be back the week after that. Hello, residents of Maple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we, we are going to be talking about games we've been playing lately, but we know how much you love Disney. So we're talking Disney Loricana and some other Disney trivia. Thanks for joining us for episode 151. Oh boy. Residents of Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean wearing his Mickey Mouse t-shirt his mouse ears with the birthday hat, a Mickey Mouse pretzel in one hand, and a Mickey Mouse dream bar in the other, because Dean is celebrating Mickey Mouse's birthday that's coming up this Saturday, November 18th. Woohoo! Happy birthday, Mickey, and uh, well done, Dean. You look like a super Mickey fan. <laughs> I will be celebrating Mickey's birthday. Actually, I'm going to be doing a wedding that day, so I guess if that counts as celebrating... Mickey's will you, birthday? Will you be doing it with mouse ears? Because that is the kind of wedding that I would want. I'll be doing it with Ricky House Voice. This is a throwback <laughs> to a... We did a video for uh, Feed the Kraken. We did a playthrough and we did different characters. And one of the characters was Ricky House, who sound very familiar. Sounded a lot like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I don't know if they loved that video that we did for him, but we had a lot of fun making it. I, I do remember the video, I think. So I'm going to, I'll ask him, I'll, I'll meet with a couple this week and kind of go over a few more things. And so I'll say, just throwing this out there. What do you think about Ricky House voice? <laughs> just so we're clear, these are my conditions of officiating your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm guessing that is going to be a hard pass, but it's unfortunate because it would be a lot of fun and not at all annoying. You know, <laughs> I have done a wedding in the past. Um, in my graduation, in my doctoral graduation robes, it was special circumstances in COVID. Uh, just trust me, it was um, it was really something. That's a that's a power move right there. <laughs> that is. A... <laughs> it was by request. It wasn't just like me showing up and springing it on them. It was by request. Oh so, man! That, so if that anyone's out there looking for some kind of themed weddings, hey, I am. <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> Speaking of being our guy, Eric is thebomb.com. I'm just going to say that right now. I actually meant to look this up, but Eric bought us not one, not two, not three, not four, but five coffees. Wow. That's right. <laughs> That's so much caffeine, Eric. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh yeah, that was pretty fantastic. I was really excited about that. And that is so awesome. we are very thankful for that and getting closer to being able to pay our bills for the end of the year. Uh, we actually might have enough money in the account. I don't, I am not positive. I'm not positive on that. I probably should look that up too, but either way, <laughs> we'll make it. We'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay in Meeple Town, but we are very excited about that. If you would like to, oh no, I, I always log into the wrong account on here. Um, Do you handle the finances would, at your house? Because I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would like to buy us a coffee, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash MeepleTown9, and we'll take your uh, 
we'll take your money. We'll, <laughs> we have no problem taking your money on there. But we're really thankful for Eric and for others in the last several weeks that have uh, bought us coffees that we've mentioned on here already. So thank you for that. Really quickly, though, I'm just going to try to give a full name if I can find it on here. And unfortunately, it is not. It's not showing up on here. So Eric, I apologize for that. Eric, oh, it is uh, Eric uh, Weiborg. I think, Ooh. is that right? I think that's right. That's at least what it says on here. EW. He's also Thanks, part of EW. our, yeah, also part of our <laughs> Discord and really involved in, in lots of good conversations going on there. So thank you, Eric, and all those who donate. We are so thankful. Word. All right, let's talk about some board games. How about that? I think that's a good idea. What have you been playing here lately, Dean? All right, well, after we recorded last episode... I wasn't feeling great, and Darren said, you should just take a day, and I was like, you know what, Darren? I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a day, and in fact, I took several days, three days to be exact, because it got worse, Oh wow! and so I did not have COVID. I just got sick, and then back pain, and all kinds of oh. weird stuff was going on, so I guess it all just like, let's throw all this at you at one time, not just the sickness, but everything else. What about mucus? Was there mucus? There was... There was a little mucus, yes, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to go into. De- <laughs> I won't go into detail about that, but I will go into detail uh, slightly about two games that I played solo whilst sick. Um, this was a Feld back-to-back Feld combo from the City Collection. I played first Amsterdam, which is the remake of Macau. And then I played New York City, which is the remake of Rialto. And I honestly, I don't, I'm not really sure why I picked these. I thought I'd like to play some Euroy games that aren't necessarily heavy, like, you know, really, really long ones, because I also was trying to get rest in this. And so I didn't play these back to back really in reality. Um, and, and ones that I thought could probably solo well. And I knew some of these city collection games are adding solo elements of them uh, to them and so first i did amsterdam which again is a remake of macau uh i know you haven't played these darren because you haven't played any felds other (laughs) other than castles of burgundy games correct not true but you are you are correct and 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 as assuming i have not played either of these two okay (laughs) all right so amsterdam you are uh basically getting resources based on how the dice roll you roll dice and then if you have like a two on the pink die you're going to take two of the pink resources and put it in in the two slot on your personal player board this is a a little round uh wheel that turns every round and then when you have the different resources for that round come out. Those are the resources that you can use to do lots of things. You can move boats around. You can um, pay for uh, these different resources at loca- or goods, I guess, at the location that you'll turn around and sell. And you will use them for completing cards that give you different characters, that, you know, for points and for all that stuff. If you... Uh, go to turn your wheel and there's no resources, you're going to take a uh, fail token, basically. You failed. You are going to lose points at the end of the round. You also have cards that come out every turn, every round, that you're going to have to take one of. And if you don't complete those cards, you're going to get fail tokens at the end of the game as well, which 
more than likely you're going to get fail tokens, which can be really detrimental. You can lose a lot of points through that. So you do have to manage how all of that plays out. But the way this plays solo is you are going to not really add anything else. Since you're already rolling dice, the dice that roll determine what the other player, Tom, is going to do, which is really nice. That's what I like in solo games is that when everything just does its thing without me having to do any extra thought, I guess. And so if you roll a one, something happens. If you roll sixes, something happens. Uh, you Ones make them move up the canal. Sixes allow them to... Um, uh, what is it? Buy certain things. I can't remember. Oh, uh, to deliver a dock worker is what it is. And then other things happen. There's lots of stuff going on in this game. The solo of this was pretty fun. I wasn't sure. I I, I, I did like this game anyway. I, I like Macau. I've played it once in the past and enjoyed my play of it uh, quite a bit, enough to pick up Amsterdam. And the solo ended up being really fun. I enjoyed it. I did not win against a solo player on this one, which was unfortunate but that's okay that's actually good i like not you know destroying tom in this yeah you can't <laughs> win them all why tom i'm curious uh automa i think is oh uh, okay gotcha or something like that i'd have to be looking at the rule book which i yeah. uh think i do have it pulled up here but I, i'm pretty sure that's what it is i think it's the autom gotcha. automa in all uh, of the all of these city games it's it's tom in him hmm okay well, cool. Yeah, I, I love solo modes that are easy, that do not require much thinking on my part. Um, you put that and a resource wheel together. Hey, that sounds like fun to me. Yeah, there you go. Now, let me throw in the other one real fast. Yep. Automatic is what it is. Automatic mm. opponent. New York City is an area control game of sorts. And you're thinking, wow, area control with one player that's right. It can be done. And this one's done a little bit different. It's not all done automatically as it might, you, know, you might think, but you actually, you basically have a hand of cards and each round has a phase where you're going to do different things with those cards. You're going to get money or you're going to draft these tiles that give you special abilities. You're going to use them to move up on a track. You're going to use them to uh, take buildings. You're going to use them to put buildings out on the board. And then uh, all your buildings that are going out on the board are going to score at the end of the game. So all of the scoring is done at, uh, most of the scoring is done at the end of the game. Um, but you have an idea of how it's going to play out because each round you only have one location that you can put your buildings into, although there's rules that change that. So you can put buildings in in areas even if it's not one that's where the mayor of New York City, which is Stefan Feld, where he is located. And so that's uh it's it's pretty interesting, but with the with the Tom character, he's going to have his own deck of cards or own hand of cards, and then you're going to play those cards out. So you can play it in different ways. The one I did it, it was the easiest way that you already see all the cards that he has in his hand, so there's nothing hidden there. There's a way to play it where you can draw a card every turn, and so you, it's not complete information. It's a little more erratic in that way, but it's a it's a cool way of doing the uh an area control game like this and i actually i enjoyed this too i i think both of these were fun solo experiences if you're into that sort of thing i wouldn't have gotten these games games for just the solo play but i i'm glad that i did try them and i'll, I'll definitely play them again oh that's cool did, did you have a a preference of one over the other for the solo experience i think i prefer move 
this might make Johnny Meepletown happy. I <laughs> might prefer New York City to Amsterdam, which is probably not a popular opinion. It, it's a fun game. John, I, this did not make my top five Felds whenever we did this. It did John's, and I, I liked it, but I think the more and more I play this one, the more I enjoy it. Amsterdam is really fun, but it's a really tight and potentially frustrating experience with losing points. Um, that that can be tough, but I I really, really enjoy both of them, and I'd probably need to play them back-to-back to, to know which one I prefer. Solo experience, I actually might prefer the Amsterdam just because it does everything automatically and I don't have to think a whole lot. Cool. The, um, are, are you sure your preference for New York city isn't because of the really cool skyscraper and subway maples? Well, I would, <laughs> yes, I think that is correct because I don't have the deluxe, believe it or not, Maple town. I don't have the deluxe versions of these games. Oh, Wow. Unfortunately, I actually really want the deluxe versions of the game now, but I don't have them. I don't. I, I think there's maybe an upgrade pack that you can buy, but with Amsterdam at least, I think it actually had an insert. Maybe they both did. Hmm. Yeah, I I might be kicking myself a little bit for not getting the deluxe versions, but they're expensive. They they were expensive. I don't know if they still are. And even the the regular version, retail version, is pretty high. Deluxe is uber high. Yeah, I heard of the cost of that whole bit. The Kickstarters they ran and that whole city series of games, um, the cost seems to be one of the biggest deterrents for a lot of people. In the art. I, I yeah. think there's a I don't I don't love I also don't hate it. I don't I, I don't know. I, I used to really not like it. And when I look at Bruges and, and Hamburg, I mm-hmm. kept Bruges over Hamburg, even though they're I, I guess they have some difference. They do have some differences in the play. I didn't care enough. I much prefer the art in Bruges. Gotcha. With Rialto, I might prefer New York City, honestly. I don't know. And then Macau, it's it's kind of a wash for me either way. Cool. Yeah, I've never played either of those. So throw them on the pile, Dean. We've got a lot of felds to throw <laughs> on the pile. And these might not make the list of top fives that you would need to play. So we'll play I've, those I've, other ones first. I've played all the fields I need to play. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> which which are which ones again? You said Kessel's Burgundy, Kessel's Burgundy, the card game. And, and the dice game. And, and the dice then, game. And then okay. like Trajan and Notre Dame. And that's really, you know, that's all you need. Oh, okay. That's right. You have played those. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have not played Bora Bora. Unnecessary. Oh, yeah. There's, there's some great ones. <laughs> you, you really... Aquasphere, I think, is a lot of fun. Bruges is a must, I think. I've heard lots of Aquasphere in, in Bruges. Maybe one day we'll do like a filled essential list or something. Yeah, we'll get it done. All right, those, yeah. that's what I've been playing. That's a lot. That's a lot. Very cool. Well, I'll try to talk about just a couple of games real quick uh, because we've had a few game nights here in the last week or two where I've gotten a few quick ones in. And it's been kind of exciting. One of these is a, is a classic, at least for me. I take it everywhere I go where I know there's going to be at least four people. This is a 2016 game that just evokes... Princess Bride to me, and that is in Vino Morte. This is uh, designed by Chris Anderson and published by Button Shy. So this is one of the little like 18 card wallet games. It plays three to nine players, only takes about 10 minutes. And basically you've got 16 wine, wine and poison cards, like eight wine cards and eight poison cards. And whoever the dealer is just has to make sure there's at least one card for every player. And there has to be at least one poison and at least one wine card. 
and you, the dealer, decide who gets what card and you just give it to them face down and nobody looks at it. And then once everybody has their card, starting to the person of the left of the dealer decides whether they, whether they will drink and flip their card over and see what they've got. If it's wine, they live. If it's poison, they die. So you can either reveal your card, you can drink, or you can swap your card face down with somebody else that hasn't drunk yet. Somebody else that has a face down card. And that's all you do going around the table. And then once it gets back to the dealer, then everybody who hasn't drunk yet drinks. And that that is it. That's all there is to it. There's even a, uh, a cheese expansion that you can throw in that just does the opposite. There's like three cheese cards and you can give them to a player. And all the cheese does is it does the opposite of what your card really does. So if you've got cheese and you drink wine, it's actually poison and vice versa. That's it. It's great. It's just, it's got those, those head games, you know, it's like that scene from Princess Bride with Vincini and the Dread Pirate Roberts and he, and Vincini is going, are you the sort of person who would put the poison in their own goblet or their enemies? Now, a clever man would put the poison in his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given. I am not a great fool. So I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. So like you have these moments going on and really, I just want to play this game so I can quote the movie over and over. And, um, it's awesome. Most of the people I teach this to love it. Uh, the, the group that I usually bring them out with around here just just love it. And, but at the, at the same time, if it's not a if it's not one that you're willing to ham up a little bit, it can fall flat if people just aren't in the mood. But uh, yeah. it is <laughs> it's so much fun. Have you ever played this one in real life? Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> with iocane powder. Is that? <laughs> well, I, I was taking, you know, just a little bit a day just so I could build up my tolerance. <laughs> just a little it. immunity, yeah. Um, no, 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 no. I think this would be a good fun, like you said, in the in the right, uh, it, with the right group. I think this could be a lot of a lot of fun. I like games yeah. like that. Yep, and I think the more the merrier, you know, it plays up to nine. And if you've got another pack of it, you can combine it and play, <laughs> play like up to, you know, to, to 18. And that just gets insane. But it's good. So yeah, like on our past play purchase scale, this is definitely a purchase. It's like 10 or $12 on Buttonshine's website whenever it's in stock. And like I said, you can take it anywhere and just play it with a group. As long as you've got three or four people, it's really not fun with three, but if you've got four or more, you can really have some fun with it. Yeah. No, that sounds like, that sounds like that would be a lot of fun. Yep. That's good a times. blast. Yep. Yep. One more real quick, if we've got a minute uh, that I got, I won't say much because I might want to do a, a fuller, a more full review of this later on down the road. This is a Kickstarter I just got here recently. Uh, from this just came out. It says Flip Town. This is a flip and write game, which normally I'm not a huge fan of, but I think our playing of Welcome to with the Halloween thematic neighborhood, so aptly named, <laughs> has really got me got on this whole flip and write kick. And so this this game came in at the right time. It's basically just a Western game. Uh, this is designed by Stephen Aramini. Uh, artist uh, is Naomi Farrell. And I mentioned that because the art in this is really is really cool. So the graphic design is a bit small and it's published by Right Stuff Games. And so basically it's just, um, you've got these dry erase markers, your board folds out and it's dry eraser, but it has their own player board and it's played with a poker deck, uh, a really well, um, really well uh, detailed and drawn poker deck where simply you just flip out three cards and you're going to choose one of those cards. And this is everybody choosing from the same three cards. You're going to choose one card for its suit because the different areas on your board are categorized by different suits. So like the hearts, uh, the heart or the trail is, is the heart suit. The, the badlands where you do robbing is the spade 
yeah, the the mining where you can go and get bonuses there is the diamond, and then the town is the club. You know, appropriate. You can find me in the club. Bottle full of <laughs> either way. You know, go to town for that. Um, so you you choose one card for its suit, and you go to that area. You choose one card for its value, and then you pick that valued space uh, in that area to circle that or take that bonus or whatever it is. And then the other card you add to your poker hand, which you kind of keep a poker hand uh, going for um, for like five turns. And so there's three rounds and each round has five turns. And so by the time you've taken that fifth turn in the round, you're going to score any like of bonuses that you may have. One of those being your, your poker hand. Uh, it's just like any other type of uh, that's pretty clever type game where you're comboing, you're circling stuff. This triggers this and this triggers this. This gives me that action. There's even one part of the board where you can ignore the suits and the value because, you know, you're not digging that. Um, and then you can go to the cemetery, which is an extra specials part on the board where you can get bonus actions. But I don't know if you're doing grave robbing or if you're putting people in the cemetery or, or what, but you can get special actions there as well. Um, there's like a standard game you can play. It's got a um, uh, a bot version you can play uh, solo. And it's also got these different character cards you can play, whether it be solo or multiplayer. I've not done any of that stuff. I've just played the standard game a time or two. And there's a lot going on on the board. There's a lot of really tiny icons, but once you figure out what's happening, it's a lot of fun. Again, multiplayer solitaire, but it's a blast so far. I'm going to have to play a little more, do the solo and do the character cards um, to get more of the feel of it. But thus far, it's a lot of fun and the art I love. How uh, how much did you sing that song? How often did you sing that song? <laughs> Just once or twice. In, in the club? In Is the that club. the name of the song? Yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> Me and 50 Cent go way back. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, that is, what's the name of that one again? That is Flip Town. Flip Town. It looks cool. I like the art on that. It, lo- it sounds sounds like it would be a, a cool game as yep. well. A lot of but orange. now that we've talked about some cool games, we're going to be talking about Disney. Oh, boy. All right, Resonance. I know how much you love Disney and when Nita and I talk about Disney and Mickey Mouse and all that. So we're going to talk just a little bit more. Uh, when Dean said he wanted to review Disney Lorcana, I, I could not help but think, oh, this is perfect timing because one, the, and, and this may, and, and we may talk more about this later, but the new set of Disney Lorcana, Rise of the Floodborne, is coming out in just a few days after you hear this podcast, November 17th. And then the very next day, November 18th is, as already stated, Mickey Mouse's birthday. Mickey is turning 95. Think about that, Dean. I I feel like the mouse looks pretty good for for 95, don't you? Aging better with time, for sure. And I do think about this because I I have talked to my family about in 2028, which sounds so far into the future, by the way, of going to Disney. That's going to be a fun year to go to. Yeah, we are definitely making that. We're, we're planning our, our trip for this summer. And yes, my eyes are on the horizon. I want to go back in, in 2028. What if you could possibly hit every Disney park during 19, I'm sorry, during 1928, during 2028, <laughs> during Mickey's 100th birthday, hit every Disney park? You think it's possible? Well, it's possible. Is it possible for me? No, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> For sure, that I don't. would be ridiculous. If it would be a stretch to get to one park for sure. Yep. 
for real. Well, without belaboring the point, this just uh, as we're entering into this Lorcana conversation and, and Mickey's birthday, I just wanted to to see how well you knew your Mickey Mouse trivia, Dean. So I've got a few questions here for you. Oh, okay. You, you pride yourself on being a Disney fan and a Mickey Mouse fan. We'll see just how well you know. And residents, feel free to play along. If you know can this, I, just can scream I say out something? at Dean. Even though, yes, I do claim to be a Disney fan, and I am a big Disney fan. What I am not good at is trivia. Mm. <laughs> I would love to pit you and BJ and my friend Brent, uh, who was the best man at my wedding. Mm. I would love to pitch you guys in a trivia match, but I would not fare well, I'm afraid. I don't know. But go ahead. Let, let's try this out. No, okay. I say I don't know where Brent lives, but I'm happy to go down to Louisiana and hang out with BJ. And uh, let's have some Disney trivia and some etouffee and some uh, some gumbo and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, Brent lives in Murfreesboro, and I he's the guy I send pictures, random pictures when I'm at Disney of locations. I mean, just like really obscure pictures, and he's he knows exactly where <laughs> it is every time. I love it. Like I, I loved it when you sent me the Merchant of Venus picture that one time. Yes. I thought that was, that was great. That was classic. Um, oh, and beignets, BJ. Beignets. Okay, here you go. F- first question, Dean. Mickey I Mouse. Co- I think it's pronounced beg knots. Beige knots. Beige knots. Beige nets. Yes, beige nets. There we beige go. Beige nets. Um, Mickey Mouse replaced what other Walt Disney character? Oswald. Oswald the Is what? That right. Yep, you're right. Oswald the Oswald the rabbit. <laughs> Oswald the lucky rabbit. Very good. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I got one. I didn't give people a chance one. to answer that one, but I, you know, they know, they know that one. Yep. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, if you want to resident, just push pause on your, on your podcast player and uh, answer it. And then we'll listen to Dean uh, ramble on. <laughs> Second question. <laughs> what, what was Mickey Mouse's original name? Oh, I know this one. Uh, I just read. Okay. I know the history behind this, but I don't know the name. Okay, talk out the history then real quick. It was Walt's wife came up with Mickey's name, if I remember right. Yes. Because the name they had sounded too harsh, she said. Yep. But what was that name? Probably something German. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I got nothing. (laughs) Mortimer. Mortimer. Mortimer Mortimer Mouse. Hey, honey. That's right. Here's my character, Mortimer Mouse. And she goes, ugh. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds awful. She I'm was not, right about that. By the she way, she was. Mickey was much better. Although mm. it's funny though, because they had some. He, he had another character later on. Mortimer it was a nice little callback to that. I thought was appropriate. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Well done. Okay. So 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 you're one for two. Uh, uh, question number. Can three. I get a point? Half half a point on that one for I, knowing I the, history? the history. Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. One point five. Okay. <laughs> um, what was the first Mickey Mouse film? The first Mickey Mouse film. Okay, I have two guesses. No, 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 just one. It's kind of a trick question. Sorry about that. It's not Steamboat Willie. Correct. Very good. Steamboat Willie was the first public release. Yes. And that was November 18th, 1928. That's why his birthday is November 18th, because that was the first public release. But there was another one, the first one that came out that the distributors did not like. And it didn't come out until 1929, once Mickey was already a big hit. What was the first one? 
Mm. Funny enough, I think I showed my kids this, if I remember right. And I don't, I don't know. I, I'm blanking on this too. This is how I do in trivia. I can remember <laughs> all the facts surrounding and then not know the answer. <laughs> that sounds just like Cindy and I, when we were on our Disney cruise this past summer and we were doing the little Disney trivia thing, like, you know, middle of the day, we're in the the, the D lounge or whatever, playing playing Disney trivia. And it was, it was hilarious. So that very same thing. Oh, I remember this, but that, but what was the name or what was the, Oh, I'm terrible. Yep. yep I got nothing. May 15th, 1928 plane crazy. Plane crazy. crazy. Mickey's okay. got a new plane trying to get Mickey to, or Minnie to, to fly with him. Uh huh. She, yep. she rightly does not because he crashed in birds. <laughs> and that was the end of Mickey. <laughs> that was the end of Mickey. Uh, actually it was Mortimer. No, just teasing. Oh, okay. Nah. So, um, you are, uh, one and a half for three. M- <laughs> Mickey Mouse's first one, words. One and three quarters. <laughs> uh, ooh, this I just don't know. Flat out do not know this. Oh, boy. That was my first guess, but no. You're going to kick yourself because there's all kinds of Easter eggs about this and later Mickey stuff. Here's a hint. Uh, it, it, was in a, it was also 1929. The Carnival Kid. This was the, you know, all the early Mickey movies were, were silent films. This was the first speaky or talkie. The Carnival Kid, he is selling. Nothing. I got nothing. Hot dogs. Hot, hot dog. dog. Uh, there it goes. Oh, like, oh. yeah. Hot yep. dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Yep. You're right. Hot dog. Okay. Man. Okay. First, all right. Last question. Last trivia question. What is the name of Mickey's sister? Mm, this is Did another you? one I flat out do not know. I didn't know he had a sister, I don't think. Isn't that wild? Yeah, how about that? Uh, let's hope it's not Minnie. <laughs> let's, um, it's a whole different trajectory uh, of of uh, show there. Yeah, let's go with uh, uh, Mickey and... Uh, you can't not think Minnie. <laughs> if you're trying to think of a name that goes along with that. Uh nothing Maisie not a bad guess Amelia Fieldmouse Amelia Fieldmouse she had his nephews Morty and Ferdy they showed up from time to time okay but yeah so you know there you go a lot of uh, I'm not I'm not interested in that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that, that's a path I don't care to go down just to like learn the history of his family that's okay no that's that's give me just the main characters I'm good with that. That was fun. That was really good. Well, cool. Wow, I was so bad at that. My guess is BJ will message us about this. I think he missed the last one, but I think I, he, I bet he knew the other ones. Maybe not Hot Dog, although I have heard that trivia fact before as well. I just couldn't recall yeah. it. But I but figured the, you would have. Sister, I had no clue. I figured you would have gotten all the other ones except for the the sister, if you were a real fan. <laughs> that's okay but okay okay here's here, here's not. just a fun question that we can hear from you uh Meebletown, if you want to put this uh in any of our forms of media just curious what's your favorite mickey mouse cartoon mm-hmm. you know there's shorts there's movies what's your favorite dean what's your favorite you got a favorite this might surprise some of you this is new school mickey mouse okay so the mickey mouse cartoon disney shorts that they have this mm-hmm. style that i uh, I first honestly don't think that I was a big fan of, um, 
But what hooked me is at the end of the, uh, you're going to have to help me on this too, the, uh, what's the Mickey ride that was in the... Um, Runaway <laughs> Railway? Yes. What was the old ride? The great, great movie... Yeah, the great uh, movie ride. Great movie ride. There we go. It's what was in there. At the end of that ride, they show some of these cartoons. And actually, the ride itself is one of the shorts, which is really cool. But they play this one at the end of this one, I think, at the end of the ride. They show three, if I remember right. And it was one of them was Potato Land. And if it wasn't shown there, it was my sister who said, this is my favorite one. And I watched it. And I, I think it's hilarious. I really like it. But they go to Potato Land thinking it's this amazing park. Goofy is like real excited about this park. And um, anyway, so they're making up this park as they go along with all this potato stuff because there's not actually a cool theme park, Potato Land. So well done. Well done, little cartoon short there. <laughs> and I like that style. It's it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, I feel like that style is growing on me. I like you. I didn't really care for it at first, but it's it's getting it's getting better, especially here recently. Some of their Halloween stuff they put out this year was really good. But I love I still love the classics like Mickey's Christmas Carol. That will be the first Christmas movie we we watch here in a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving. Um, okay. You know, oh, so you're counting like full? You were counting yeah, full yeah, length yeah, yeah, like ones. full length. You know, it could be shorts, it could be full length stuff. Okay, um, I love Mickey them, Christmas Carol is one that we watch every year, so yeah, I guess that it's wins. A classic. So is that your favorite? I think it would be. I mean, or and right behind that would be things like Brave Little Taylor and Mickey and the Beanstalk and Through the Mirror. And but I love the shorts too, like Lonesome Ghost. Every Halloween, that's one of the first ones I watch. Yeah, you know, yeah. Clock Cleaners. That's good. You know what's not good? The the dancing skeletons. This is not Mickey. I love the dancing skeletons. What are you talking about? It's creepy. It's I really love creepy. It. I love that as a child. That was one of my favorite things to watch. Yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting. They're playing, <laughs> they're playing like the xylophone on their on their spine, and they're like joining together. It's real. It's it's creepy. I tell you what was cool though. <laughs> my dad and I were in uh were in Paris last October. And had the chance to go to the Disney store there on the Champs Elysees down from the Arc de Triomphe, and all their Halloween stuff. They had a whole series of stuff based on the dancing skeletons. They had clothes, they had toys, they had little just Halloween things to put up in your house on knickknack stuff. They had mats, they had all kinds of stuff. I That's was like, cool. man, if I could put all this in the, on the plane, that would be great. <laughs> I'd buy it all, but there's no way. <laughs> All right, but you didn't come for Mickey trivia. You didn't come for our talk on Disney World. Maybe we should do a separate podcast for that. (laughs) What you did come for is the review on Disney Lorcana. So let's check it out. All right, Meeple Town, we are back, and we're going to be talking about Disney Lorcana. I'm going to give a brief overview of this, I would say, fairly simple-to-play card game. Uh, This is a... I almost said a living card game. It's not a living card game. It is a... Uh, collectible card game or uh, TCG, which is, um, what does TCG stand for again? Trading. Trading card game. There we go. So either way, uh, whatever you prefer to use, both are acceptable, except living card game is not acceptable because it is not in that family. But in this game, you are buying cards. You can get starter decks, you can get booster packs and uh, collect these card games. And then you're going to be putting decks together. If that's your thing, you can buy pre-made decks, which is fun too and playing against other players head-to-head. Now, a game takes about, really, 
15 minutes um, or at most, really. I mean, games are pretty short of this. And that is so that you can play tournaments and play lots of games back to back and and have plenty of time to play lots of games. But in this game, you will have your hand of cards. You start off with seven cards and a deck of uh, 60 cards at least. And you can have all of the same type of cards, or you can have up to two different types of cards. And there's six different of these different types. So you've got uh, amber and um, steel, and you have emerald and sapphire ruby, and there's another one, the purple one. (laughs) Amethyst. Amethyst. There we go. And you'll combine those cards, shuffle them up, and then start off with seven cards. You can do a mulligan if you want with those cards. And then get started. And on your turn, what you're trying to do is get be the first one to get to 20 lore. You're going to be moving up your lore counter, and you're going to do that by questing. But basically, on your turn, you're going to do ready, set, draw, where you ready your cards, get everything all ready to go, score points, or do whatever you need to as the housekeeping things that need to happen. And then you draw one card and then take your actions. Your actions can be playing cards. They can be taking... Um, Uh, actions that are on the cards uh, which will require you to um, to tap the cards that you have and uh, i say tap but that's not the right word exhaust the cards that's not the right word either yes it is it it is that's right exert yeah i was like that doesn't sound right exert and then you ready them at the beginning of of the round um you you can quest, which again will give you lore, um, depending on the the um, lore value of the card that's out there. When you play a card, though, the ink has to dry, and you also have to have the ink in your ink well. I'll explain that in just a second. So you can't take the actions on the card immediately when you play it, except for items. Items are things that you can do immediately. Characters that you put out there are things that you have to wait for them to dry, and then you have actions that will play immediately and do one thing and then go to your discard pile. Um, but you have to have ink to be able to do all of those things. And so some of the cards, most of the cards will have these wreaths around the number in the top left-hand corner. If it has a wreath around it, that can go into your inkwell. Once per round, you can take one card and put it into your inkwell. And those are going to be used to pay for the cards that you put into play. You're going to exert those cards. And if I exert one ink card, then I can play a card that cost one into my tableau. And then again, the ink has to dry on that or if it's an item or if it's an action. One of those three different things. There's lots of different rules that go into changing things up. Um, well, sorry, I didn't mention challenging. You can also challenge a character versus your character. You compare the attack and the defense strength against each other, and they'll take damage and get knocked out, as you would imagine, then go to your discard. The rules from the different cards change everything up. So there's things that will allow you to Um, put cards into play that do activate immediately. There's things that will activate once I put this card into play, I can draw a card or something else happens or I can um, sing a card into play. Meaning if I have a card that's a value of four, it can sing a card into play and that card just comes into play without having to spend any ink. You can also maybe put a, if I have an Aladdin card and it says on the other Aladdin card that I want to put into play, I can cover that card up to put this card into play that's an Aladdin card. So there's lots of things that change up the rules as you go. I'm not really going to go into all the details on that. Some of that might come up in the conversation as we talk about the different decks and all of that. But really, we just wanted to give you a brief overview of the game and then talk about our feelings and thoughts towards this whole system. That is the gist of Disney Lorcana. Good enough, Darren? Well done. Well done. 
Excellent. Okay, well, let's start off with the, as we usually do, we're going to start off with the art and components. I really love the art on these cards. This may be some of my favorite art in all of board gaming, and not just because I love Disney stuff and everything Disney, but I love the fact that they went through the effort and the expense to make every piece of art original. They're not borrowing from old Disney art they've used. Everything is a new creation, and they've even put a few wrinkles and twists into the the characters on certain special cards. You know, like 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 there's a car of Scar. One of my favorite Scar cards is a Scar, the fiery usurper, where it looks like Scar, but he's made of lava. <laughs> you know, things that didn't happen mm-hmm. in the movies, but they put a little twist on. Where like where Tinkerbell is a giant, and some of those types. Man, the art of these are just drop dead gorgeous. Whether it's the cards, the sleeves, the boxes, the mats, whatever. What do you think about the art? Yeah. Uh, yep. All the things that you just said, I will say this is my favorite art out of any card game, board game, anything. And and again, being a Disney fan helps with that, right? I mean, obviously yep. you need to care about something Disney in order to appreciate it, I think. I don't think, you know, because it is, it's cartoony, as you would imagine. Um, there's bright, vibrant colors, but there are different types. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different artists that they use because everything is is unique. And I like that. It's Magic the Gathering or any of these CCG styles, I guess, that use original art. They're going to have, you have to have lots of different artists working on this, a project so big. Yeah, a lot of these I would hang, I would hang in, uh, you know, in in prominent places in my house because I, I love the art yeah. so much. And yeah, I, I can't say anything wrong about that. I, I think it's cool too that they use some of the art in the player mats. They use it in the, uh, the sleeves, they use it on the, the sleeves are kind of not great, but they use it on the deck boxes and things like that. Nope. Oh, I take issue with your sleeve comment. Okay. Well, I, we're moving into components, <laughs> which I think is, is, is totally fine. Yeah. 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 No, starting no, we'll, with the sleeves. <laughs> starting with the sleeves. I, you know, a lot of people complain about the sleeves being too, um, too hard to shuffle, whatever. They're a little stiff or sticky, whatever you want to call it. I love the feel of them. Uh, I don't have a, I don't care about the the sleeve quality as much as a lot of other people have have said. But if you're used to something being really slick and easy to shuffle, they are a little a little stiffer, a little slower to to shuffle than than most normal sleeves. The sleeves that I normally use are are uh, Ultra Pro matte sleeves, so it's matte on one side, so that if you get a tall stack of cards, they're not just going to fall over, which is a problem right. with normal sleeves. Right. This uses like a double matte on both sides of it which makes them super slow, super slow. And with a lot of shuffling, which I've done a lot of shuffling in these cards, they fray on all the edges too over time, which is really annoying. So the longevity of them, I don't, I don't have like super high expectations that they're going to last a really long time. However, the art is beautiful on them. And so I like that. I just, I, I hope they change them in this new set. My guess is they probably won't. I'm guessing they're probably going to stick with what they had. Maybe somewhere down the road they'll get new ones. But the art itself, and there's people, I didn't know these exist, but apparently there's sleeves, there's over sleeves where you can sleeve your sleeved cards. And so some people are doing that. Wow. That's that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> that's a whole nother level. Yeah. It is. Uh, <laughs> I've I've not shuffled near as much as as you have. So so yeah, maybe I haven't noticed the the fraying as of yet. 
but you know, maybe they fix it, maybe not. I'll tell you something else though that's not been good as far as the quality of some of their products that have come out this first wave. Again, keep in mind we are just talking about the first chapter of Disney Lorcana, the rise of the Floodborne, the kind of the second chapter in a sense is is coming later. And that art looks just as good, if not even better, than than the first bit. Yeah, oh. I and I'll, I will talk about some of that a little bit later. Not necessarily the art, but just some thoughts on on the new set coming out. Okay, but yeah, but so but something else I know a lot of people aren't happy with. And again, this is you know give or take when you buy your starter deck, it also or 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 really any, a lot of the other gift boxes and things you can get. It often comes with uh, tokens like damage tokens and your lore counter and that kind of deal which is basically just a fold-out piece of paper and some cardstock. Um, and that's just trash. You know, I'm glad that they have it in the in the thing if you can open up a starter deck and you can play with it. But it, you know, it's garbage. If it helps keep the cost down, then great. That's awesome. Because you can count the the lore on your phone. Uh, you know, they have, Disney Arcana has an official app that you can use that has a lore counter on it. You don't even need the stuff that comes out of that box, except maybe to help keep up with damage. But again, those tokens are trash. Yeah, they are. And that's in all of the the games like that that I've played right. before, the which is only one. You know, I've mentioned this in the past, but the um uh what is it? Dice Masters, the series of that. It was the same thing. They had these maps that you played on that were garbage and the tokens and all that. It it just wasn't wasn't really good. This one though, you've already got this really cool secondary market and as you as you can imagine, Etsy has gone bonkers with all of this. And so right. The the trackers, the lore trackers that I use are these wooden, uh, they're, they're pretty fantastic. So it's like wooden with plexiglass inlaid that's like different colored plexiglass. And it uses these little, um, these little metal magnet balls that uh, go up the lore track. And it's phenomenal I, I they were well worth the purchase for this and i've got four of them because you can actually play this game with more than just two people which is interesting and and so I, I i have played it four players and three players and so having those trackers is fantastic and maybe actually i told darren this the other day maybe what got my kids into the game is playing with the tracker first mm-hmm. and then they were like oh let me try this game because this tracker is really cool but that again was an etsy shop that had that and uh not not you know, not the normal. And I've also bought some of these different tokens to keep track with the, um, like when you get challenged and you have the um, hit points or whatever, I've bought little tokens for those, which is again, much better than what you get in the box. Yeah. And there's nothing in the box that, that has any kind of like status token on it. Cause I know there's various actions right now. You have to help me remember, but I know there's various things that can happen to you where it's like you're stunned or you're dazed and you can't, like you can't challenge this next round or you can't quest. There's there's things that people can do to you where you have to come up with some kind of way to remember, like turning your card a certain way or doing something else to remember. It would be nice if there was some kind of status token uh, for that. I know Etsy has some of those types of things. And I'm really, I really wonder like why they didn't think about even just selling that separately, just say like a deluxe bit of components of status tokens damage tokens, things you can get, because I know in something like Star Wars Unlimited that FFG is putting out uh, in the spring, it's not going to come with the game, but they've already got like deluxe components that you're, that they're going to release with it that you can purchase separately if you want that kind of stuff. Like I yeah, feel like they could have made a killing if they had, if they had done that already, because that's what I want. Yeah. 
Yeah, you would think so. And I guess maybe they're following a model that doesn't do that. Maybe. But why not? You already did deck, deck boxes. You did the sleeves. You did the player mats, um, which uh, there's some uh, some issues I might have with the player mats too. But yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't. Why would you not have some sort of Deluxify tokens that would have 100% sold? You know, easily. And they still, I don't think they've announced anything. The only thing I've seen like that is these promos that they that they have at their tournaments where it's a lore counter, like a little uh, turny knob cardboard counter type thing. Kind of, maybe similar to what you would find in Unmatched, but not as good a quality. Right. And again, I feel like the lore counter is, for me, the least important part because they have an official app that does that. You know, it's like, if anything, you can just throw that on your phone and boom and do it. Oh, Darren, I'm telling you, when you play with these little, (laughs) you're going to change your mind. I'm telling you. It's the status tokens that I want. I want to, I can't, my memory is awful. I can't remember what happened to that character or whatever. I need some kind of visual representation of what's going on there. Yep. Yeah. No, no, no. I would like to have those as well. And I haven't found it. Well, it's not that I haven't found a need. It's not like it's super difficult, but it is helpful. It is helpful because there's a lot of characters that you might need to keep up with and things that are going on that... It would be helpful, but I don't have any of those status tokens yet. Look on Etsy though, and there's all kinds of yeah. all kinds of amazing things. And I will say, play mats real fast. I only have one play mat. I got the Steamboat Willie one, and I really want the Winnie the Pooh one in the new set. So I'm basically going to buy the just the ones that I want. But the ones that I've seen on Etsy, I've actually I think I like them better anyway because they have areas to put the inkwell, you know, like section places on the mats that are sectioned off. And I like that. But there's also ones that you can get that don't have that. Um, Yeah. And I would name a a specific shop, but honestly, there's so many shops that I've seen that have done that. But there's one in particular, I just don't remember the name of it, that's had some amazing ones on there. But just Google Lorcana play mats on Etsy and you'll find all kinds of cool things. Yep, yep. Um, you, you bought the one official play mat that I wanted. I said, Hey Dean, if you ever see like the steamboat Willie play mat, pick it up for me. He goes, Oh, I just bought the last copy they had. God, <laughs> that was the, it was the only one that I wanted out of this set. Yeah. And the, the Winnie the Pooh one is the only one I wanted out of the next set. Yeah. Uh, but I would like to have four at some point. So I guess maybe I'm just going to have to wait, wait yeah, until I guess you will. chapter three or four, or who knows <laughs> when I'll get all the ones that I want. All right. All right. That is all the component stuff. But what about the gameplay? So when you're thinking about the gameplay, it's hard for me not to think about the the thematic nature of the cards and what they do. I love how these characters, again, not everyone is perfect. And I wish there was more cards that probably did a little bit more. But, But it's so neat to see some of the you know, not just the fluff text on some of these cards, but the the way they act and the way they interact with each other. A lot of it, you know, seems like stuff that that comes from the the movies. And maybe maybe you can remember more specific examples of that than than I can. But it just adds to the fact that since the gameplay, like you mentioned earlier, is so smooth and so simple, you know, you're readying your cards. You're okay. Any effects going on? All right, I'm going to draw a card, and now I can I can ink something. I can play something. Oh, it's, this has got to dry first. I can't, you know, use that ability yet. And the tension that comes up with knowing when to play something and wait for it to dry to set up what it can do next, when to challenge your quest, because you know, when something is exerted, you have to exert it to challenge your quest. 
once it's exerted, now it's vulnerable to be challenged by your opponent. And so, um, you know, figuring out the the timing of that and how your cards interact together and what's going to be the most beneficial and not getting too attached because they're going to get challenged. You're going to go through cards left and right. And um, man, I just, again, this is my first um, CCG experience. And so playing a game like that was a little weird for me at first, but I really enjoy just that smooth, simple gameplay. And I, th- and I, and I feel like the, the thematic nature of the characters just accentuates that because it's like you said, it's not very difficult, uh, at least not, not as of yet. Maybe that'll get more complex as the sets come out, but, but yeah. I think, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, it, it is a simple game meant to get newer players into the hobby. I've heard it referred to as magic light, I don't know if that's the case because I've never played Magic, but hey, if, if that's the case, do we need another Magic? Probably not, you know. And, and Magic is probably going to do a Disney set down the road. Who knows? You know, they're doing everything else. So a CCG themed with Disney that gets newer people into the hobby, I think, is always a really, really good thing. And you can see, per how this has sold Gangbusters, that actually is very much the case that lots of people are getting into into this hobby when i say this hobby it is a different hobby than board gaming i guess it, potentially although they're adjacent and so you know there's the there's lots of people that got into board gaming because of magic and so this could possibly be another avenue for people to get into board gaming through disney Lorcana because you have a lot of disney fans that are playing this game okay but but what do i think of it i guess was the question you were talking about the simplicity of it I really enjoy that because I needed a game that was more simple to be able to get my kids to play it, particularly my youngest, who is eight years old. And he's the, he's actually the one I've played this game with the most by far. He and I will play this uh, a couple times a week, usually since it's come out. Um, and, and pretty consistently, he doesn't get into the deck building piece of the deck construction piece of it. But the gameplay itself, he usually likes to play with the same deck so that he knows what's going on, which I think is a lot of fun. But he allows me to test out some different decks that I've been working on, and I usually try to give him the better deck anyway. Um, like I've, I've, but it's it's uh, it's cool. I like the simplicity of that. But at this point, moving forward, now you have the ability to make it more complex, but also you can do it as complex as you, as you want, and and people can still enjoy it either way. They might just not be in the competitive scene if you're just playing it for fun and and not, you know, trying to get into all the complex cards as the game grows, just playing it, you know, as as complexly and 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 you know, deck constructing in a way that's not necessarily to win, but just to be fun. You know, I might want to play a deck. There's with a new set that's coming out, you've got Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I don't know if all the seven dwarfs are in it. I don't know if they've released that yet, but there will be. But I would love to have a complete deck of just Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun somewhere down the road. That might be a possibility. But would it be competitive? Who knows? So didn't you say that you were working on a frozen deck, like a totally frozen deck? I think at one point I did. At this point in the game, there's not, I don't think there's any way to like focus on a complete deck of something. Uh, you know, there's people that have a princess deck. But I don't know if there's a way to do 60 cards of all princesses and, you know, princess adjacent items and things like that. I, maybe, I don't think so. But at some point there will be. 
And that's one of my favorite things about this game is that you'll be able to do that with your favorite movies, with your favorite, uh, who knows what they're going to do down the road right now. It's all just Disney movies and, and, you know, animated things, not necessarily full length movies, but, um, but there's the, there's the potential to do fully themed decks down the road. And I love that. Yeah. Now, again, you've played this a lot more than than I have, and so I'm curious as we talk about the gameplay and stuff and the different decks and the and the different colors that you have. What have you experienced as far as how these colors match up? I know that you know each starter deck gives you two colors. Um, have you done much intermingling, mixing and matching as you're doing your your deck building, and how does that how has that played out for you so far? Yeah. So. Um, I'm not, we're not going to nerd out on all this stuff for the, you know, what the decks do. But one of the things, one of my favorite colors is Sapphire, because what it does is it allows you to get more of your cards into the inkwell quickly. That's because I enjoy doing that. But, and by the way, there's a whole subculture of these CCG, like former magic players that are now in Lorcana, which is great. I love that but they speak a language that I just don't know, uh, you know, as far as like ramp decks and all, all this stuff, I don't know what they're talking about. And, um, so I don't, I don't speak that language. If you're, if you're wanting to come to this podcast to hear that, I, I, I can't help you there, but what I know is what I like. And the Sapphire is one that I like to use. Now is the Sapphire the best color according to tournaments that have been played absolutely not in fact most of the winning decks are ones that are steel amber there's Mm. some exceptions to that i was going to look it up because i don't remember amber steel and uh what was the other one i can't remember i don't have it pulled up right now but people know like if you want to win a tournament you have to play these colors or these colors there you have two options basically and at this point, that's just where it is. But as the game right. grows, I know that will change and you'll have more options to do things. What I care about, though, is doing what I enjoy doing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be competitive and I'm okay with that. But what I will do is build decks that I enjoy to play with my friends, not at a local game shop in a tournament, which is, you know, it's it's okay. It's okay that I want to play the game that way. But the game does not lend itself for those players. Yeah, and I guess if I had a critique of the game, that's probably where where this lies. And again, this is my first CCG experience, so I'm talking from a place of inexperience. But I don't necessarily fit that mold of how the the game, like you're saying, is like designed for more tournament play. It seems. Um. I just want to be a casual player. Like I just want to be able to go to the store and pick up the cards that I want and be able to play this whole model of the collectible card game feels. And, and again, I don't know if this is just the, the Ravensburger experience of this, or if this is the model itself, but it feels much more predatory <laughs> than, than anything else I've experienced in the, in the board gaming hobby. You know, people talk a lot about, you know, Kickstarter and stretch goals and, um, you know, exclusives and all those kinds of things. But at least in those things, if you want it and if you can get it, you can. And yes, this, if I want certain cards, I may get it. I may not. I've got to spend and spend and spend and spend to be able to try to get some of these cards. And at least with this early experience of Lorcana, you can't even do that. I mean, scalpers in a lot of ways 
shortchanged a lot of people's experience of this game early on. You know, people are trying to get cards and they can't because some people are creating scarcity so that way they can flip it and make a profit. I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but if you're someone who are purposefully um, creating scarcity so you can make money off other people, that's kind of a problem. You know, there, <laughs> there, there's something, um, there's so, and, and I'm not saying like buying things and flipping them and selling them, that's, that's not it. But when you are purposefully doing things to drive up prices so you can make money, that's not a business model. That's indecent, <laughs> you know, um, mm. if there's opportunities for, for people to play, that would be great. But, but now there's not. And so, and right now, the way that the leagues and things are being set up, at least with, and I don't know if you want to talk about this now or later, but with the new series coming in the rise of the floodborne, at least a lot of the game shops that I've talked to, the only way you can get that product now is if you join their league or come to their draft events, you can't just go and and pick it up. Maybe you can sell it at a Walmart or something. If somebody doesn't come in and dump all the boxes in their shopping cart, uh, I just want them to pick it up and play because I'm a fan and it's fun. I just want to play casually, but, but this yeah. predatory scalping model, at least the way it is enabling that um, is not fun for me. Yeah, no, I I'm with you and it, it's a, it's a different hobby, right? Right. Like, right. It is, it is not the realm that you and I are used to, being into. If I want a game, I go to the store and get a game. The closest that we have to this model is LCG, which is very different. Because again, if I want some, which is living card game, by the way, if you're not familiar with that term, living card game are games like um, Lord of the Rings, the card game, the Arkham Horror, the card game, uh, the older one, Star Wars, and then you had Android Netrunner. But basically, they come out with a uh, different decks or different you know boxes that come out every few months or every month or whatever and then you can just buy them and then you have it you have you know everybody's getting the same thing and then you can still do the deck construction with those and in fact that's a big part of the game is the deck and deck construction i wish and again i know that i'll be in the minority in this i wish in, in the in i guess i probably won't be with board gamers so the people listening to the podcast might agree with me but the average joe and in, in that's going to buy these cards i wish it was an lcg model so that i could get everything that i want you still have all the amazing art you still have all of the good things but i don't have to spend eight hundred dollars on a card that i'll never put into my deck because i'm not going to put an eight hundred dollar card into my deck I want to be able to use everything and I want to be able to have access to everything and then win because not because I spent the most amount of money, but win because I did the best at creating this deck that is better than everybody else's. That's what I want, but that's not what sells apparently. And so this is going to be the model and I get it. And it is fun opening a pack. I do enjoy that, but I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars and get the same card 50 times because you get all these common cards over and over and over again you can only put four into your deck four at max uh per deck per card okay if i've got 50 i've just got them sitting around and i i'm using them as bookmarks you know like that's such a waste and not what i want in a game but it's what sells so that's what they're going to go with yeah and again not not hating on collecting you want to go out and buy and collect and get those rare things i absolutely love it. i'm not even sure if we talked any about the rarity of the different cards and the different levels of rarity. And if you want to do some of that, again, I, I can respect that and I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, but yeah, like you said, if I got 50, um, uh, Hans is laying around, uh, you know, you, it's, it's like in the old days of my parents, you start putting them in the spokes of your, of your bikes, 
you know, your bicycle. So that would kind of make the little clickety clickety sound as you're driving through. But the, okay, so, so again, but maybe that's where the trading card game part of this comes in. Maybe those types of things are invitations into community where you have to interact in some of these ways and some of these levels. Um, you know, we talked about building community in the last episode. Maybe that's something we need to to explore, but I don't know if that kind of community is going to be healthy on my, on my wallet. <laughs> I, I can tell you, Darren, that's not the community. And this is going to maybe tick some people off. Okay. That's not really a community I'm super excited about getting into mm. because I am a part of all these Facebook groups, the Lorcana, uh, a ton of different ones, the, the buy sell ones, even though I haven't really, I haven't at all bought any like extra stuff other than the packs that I got. It is not fun. It's not fun because you get made out to be a lesser than person for not understanding mm. that, you know, there's people who are like, hey, I'm so excited because I built this deck that is that is using these characters and that I think are fun and they work well together. Immediately, you will have a hundred people. And, and I'm, I wish I was exaggerating, but you'll have, you know, 10, 20, maybe a hundred people that will shoot back at you and tell you that your deck is terrible and that it will never win against this deck that is much better. And you're a moron for making that, that <laughs> deck. I, and I, I wish I was kidding and I wish I was exaggerating wow. Darren and yeah. I'm just not, I'm not. Wow. And that it's not a community that I want to be a part of, which is unfortunate because there's a ton of like families that really enjoy this game and some that would want to go to their local game store and, and play in tournaments that are fun and it, you can be competitive in that too, but you don't want to be made to feel lesser than. And yeah. so now you have Ravensburger that's come out and said, hey, we're going to try to create these two separate communities. One is going to be this very competitive scene. One is going to be this, this scene where you can get together and talk about the cards and have fun and yada, yada, yada. Okay. In theory, that's a fun idea. It's just what I'm seeing is the other is winning out the competitive nature is winning out and it's not even just competitive nature. Being competitive is fine. Being an absolute jerk face about this is not okay. And it, it's even against kids, like adults that are like bashing kids. And I'm just like, this is, nope, this is not for me. I'm not going to take my kids to tournaments, even if they, if they want to maybe somewhere down the road, but I'm not going to take my eight year old to a tournament. Unfortunately. Now, Game Point Cafe has uh, Lorcana Nights. It, and it sounds like those are a lot of fun. And I know Sean, who's a listener and, and uh, connected on the Discord, he goes to those and I, I think he really enjoys them. Unfortunately, I just don't have the time to do that right now. But if I did, I would love to be a part of that and bring my kids to it. I think it could be fun. Those are the things that I want to get involved in, not the dark side of this. And that's what's really prominent. Yeah. Can't we all just get along, people? We cannot, <laughs> because I, I, I've got a yuckier yum. That's and, that's the world we're in. And you know, and, and maybe some of that is just growing pains of Robin's Burger as they try to, to do this. Maybe they'll figure out good ways to to do that or help moderate that. And I think, like you mentioned, a lot of that falls on the game stores themselves and the kind of culture they can create. Online communities. I don't know what you do about that. <laughs> you know, you, you do what you can. But as far as like that in person stuff, a lot of that, I think the responsibility will fall on them. Those that run game point, those that run our tier one games, you know, up here in Lafayette, I feel like the, the few things that I've been to, you know, that they've done a really amazing job in that. Yeah. 
It's um, it's something. <laughs> it is what it is. And somebody yeah. who is involved in that culture that's listening right now is going to be like, you don't know what you're talking about, Dean. If you've never been to one of these, which I've not, they're nothing like that. Well, yours might not be, but I'm reading enough to tell me that there's lots out there that are. That are. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that I can't even buy product unless I'm part of a league is not something that excites me because I just don't, I don't have the time to do that right now. I'm not going to join a league. And so it's going to make it really difficult for me to get product. It's unfortunate. So that leads into our final thoughts. If you're ready to go to that place, as you can tell, I'm kind of negative about some things in, on this. <laughs> so, well, golly, who wants to go first then? I don't know if I want your negativity to, to rain or not. Let me just keep going on my, on, on my rant. Bring it, then, okay? rant. All right. This is a really... Nope. This is a fun game. The The best part of this for me is the the exploring the combinations with the cards and putting together sets that I really want to do. Okay? Like, I think it's fun to put together an Aladdin set. I think it's fun to put together an all-princess deck or, you know, these two movies that I, I would love to see combined, I guess, like Zootopia with Jungle Book or something like that, which you've got... Oh, there's no Jungle Book cards, are there? Yeah, well... Set. There are in the Rise of the Floodborne for sure. Yep. Okay, I've not seen those, but the, you do have uh, Zootopia has some cards coming out in Floodborne mm-hmm. as well. Um, th- those things are the things that I'm excited about doing. What I'm not excited about is the whole culture that has been created so far. I'm just not that guy. Um, if you are, that's great, and I love that for you. I just wish that this was an LCG model so that it made it more appealing to everybody because now you can be competitive. Because you can, right? You can throw all of the cards that you have in this set in a uh, what, a, like a three month cycle of a, of an LCG. Every card that you have available right now, put that in an LCG model. Three months. Every three months, we've got more stuff coming out. So really, every month you've got stuff coming out for it. But you can pick and choose what you want. That's the model that I want, and I think would be so much more appealing to the average Disney family person that wants to get into this game. But as it is, I'm afraid that this game might not have legs because I think if it's going to push out, and I've seen this, by the way, I've seen lots of Disney people that wanted to get into it have gotten pushed out because of the negativity or because of the lack of availability for the cards in those, um, you know, of any product, not even be able to get a starter deck for a lot of people has been a challenge. People are leaving because of that. I don't think you would have those same issues with an LCG. Wish it would have been done that way. So that does negatively affect my score. So here's here's where I'm at. The game itself, I, I I'll, my final score, I'll be like at a seven, I think, okay? And I think that's kind of generous because it's it might even be a little bit lower. Yeah, it, it gets a little bit of a boost because it's one that my family is enjoying a lot, okay? If it were an LCG model, I actually think it might even be higher because as the more sets that come out, I think this has the potential to be a ton of fun, all the things that I want without the scrambling and spending my entire savings account to buy cards. That That's the part that's that drops it for me. So if it were the other model, I think I'd probably be more at an eight, um, one that I do want to play all the time because I would like to explore it, but it's just, I don't like it. This isn't This isn't my thing. It's frustrating. Yeah. Hmm. From a board gamer's perspective. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's good to keep in mind. You know, that is sort of the the mindset and the perspective that we're coming coming at this from. Wow, yeah. I thought I thought yours would be higher. Interesting. Because 
my thoughts are almost exactly the same. Sorry, people telling us to be a little boring, but I just want to like ditto just about everything that Dean said. I really enjoy how the game plays. I think it's it's simple in some ways. Again, almost too much so, but I think that's going to continue to get to get better. Um, I like the fact that the emphasis on is more on questing for lore than on just combat. You know, than on just yes. challenging. I think just that idea, the fact that it's not just you know knock them down, you know, knock down, drag out kind of fight. You are questing. You're trying to do something else other than doing something negative to your opponent. I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you don't challenge, that was the other part I didn't talk about during the gameplay. You're, you might lose, you know, you need sure. to be able to challenge the other players. Otherwise they're going to run away with just questing. Right. And some colors are more, and some colors are better at doing that than others. You That's know? right. And so, and so there is some of that. So I, I like, I like all those things about the gameplay. I I still, like you said, I still dislike the model I, and, and, and part of the culture that is being created around it. I cannot get that taste out of my mouth. I'm, I'm one of those that you've mentioned. I'm not near as excited about this as I used to be. And I think part of that is just not being able to have access to it in a way that is feasible for me, whether that's product or just ability to play or whatever. I really wish it was an LCG model. <laughs> I really do. I think you could do it the same way, where, you know, where it's head-to-head competitive. I think you could do it cooperatively, kind of like in Marvel Champions. There's lots of different ways you could do that. And I think if that was the case, it would be up there like 8.5 or something along those lines. Um, yeah. So I'm going to come in at this with a seven, you know, again, good, usually willing to play. Uh, I want to introduce this to some of my friends or students that have played, you know, Magic the Gathering and other types of collectible card games in the past. I think they'll enjoy it. I think this does have a chance to go up. Some of the new sets come out. Um, I think there's lots of different places where they can go in the whole Disney world and their realm. Uh, And again, I've not done a lot of the deck building. I've played mostly with starter sets and messed around a little bit. You know, you've done a lot, a lot more of that. And maybe if I did more of that, I would, I would find it a little more interesting or challenging, but I just don't have the desire to do that. Like again, in games like Marvel champions, I can pull that deck out and I can play it. Yeah. I can build if I want, but I don't have to, you know, with the uh, Arkham horror of the card game, you know, again, there are some deck building there, but that's because you're you're in a campaign. And so you just slowly add a card to, you get rid of this card, you add that card. That I'm fine with. Um, the way this works in the deck building, the way, it, the way it takes place is not something I'm necessarily interested in. Maybe maybe that'll change. But that's um, that kind of blind building, not really knowing what I'm, what, what I'm getting into, uh, is still kind of holding me back on some of that. So again, it's good. It's a seven. I like it. What happens from that, we'll we'll see as more sets and things come out and are available uh, if they are. Yeah, my guess is it'll it'll rise. And and you know, I'm I'm hearing people say, hey, this will all it'll all even out. You know, like you'll be able to get more product down the road. This happens whenever CCGs first kick off, all that sort of thing. Which I get that, but it still doesn't change my mind about the model. So let me ask you this final question, Darren. Uh, because it's a question I see a lot on the interwebs and maybe we are not the best ones to answer it because we've not been around for all the different CCGs that have come and gone over the years. You know, unless you're, unless you're magic Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh there's, you know, who knows what's going to have legs and what's not, but do you think five years down the road, and that's a long time from now, five years down the road, do you think this is still going to be a thing? Man, honestly, no, I don't. Yep. Just because I've seen 
you hear other people talk about games that have come and gone. I mean, the fact that it is Disney is great. It's got that gives it its best chance. And at the same time, this is Robinsberger's first first stab at this. So I just don't know if they can't get the casual player back into this whilst while <laughs> while still keeping a tournament scene and 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 shops happy. Um I don't think it lasts. And and that's the other thing too. Like what about your your local game stores and the gaming scene? Can they handle another CCG coming in and competing for for table time? You know, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. What about you? No. No, I don't I don't think so either. And I think part of it is the model and and again, I don't know much about magic, but it seems like this is kind of following what they know to be this is the CCG model that we follow, right? And does it have to like if it's not magic and you want to get newer people into this couldn't you do some more things to cater to other people and i know they're trying now but i just wish they would have had the i don't know the foresight to be able to see hey maybe we shouldn't try to compete with magic you know one of the things i i've read a lot about is is magic by the way magic is not the biggest worldwide uh ccg out there it's it's uh pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, from what i can see are the biggest and po- Pokemon's interesting because you have a lot of people, and I know a lot of people that are Pokemon collectors, but they're not players. I know a lot of people that collect but have no idea how to play the game. That's a lot of people. That's That can keep a hobby going, okay? I think this has the potential to be both, to be the collectors and the players. I just don't know if it has the legs. Now, if it was LCG, would it have the legs to go five years? I don't know. I, you know, I would love to think so. Honestly, I don't know if any of those other ones have lasted five years with that model. I, I think if this was an LCG and it wasn't being done by Fantasy Flight, yes, I think it would last five years. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, and you know, those games have lasted longer, but they've done reboots of them. You know, they've they've done second right. edition for Arkham and for um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, how long has Marvel Champions been going on? Not uh, that. Since 19, I think, 19 or 20. Okay, so it's approaching five years and there's still stuff coming out for that. And I, I would say it's probably still going strong. I don't know that the sales on that, but I still see a lot of the product out there. So who knows? Who knows what the right model is? Obviously, I'm not the one that's making this product. We know that we're both a seven on this one. With time, I think I'll probably rise on that one, it, depending on how things go. If I'm able to get product to be able to play with my kids, it'll rise. If not, probably not. So there is that. That is our review of Disney Lorcana. If you'd like to get in touch with us and talk to us about anything, we need more questions for the mailbag, by the way. So you can send those to meepletownmail at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, meepletowngames.com. Go to all of our forms of social media at meepletowngames. And then also get connected in our Discord and boardgamegeek.com guild number 3407. Until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. See you real soon. Hey, Dean. Yep. What did Mickey Mouse say to the doctor when he hurt his leg? What? Disney hurts. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I got one more bonus bonus one. This is not a Mickey one. This is a Goofy. Goofy is actually probably my favorite anyway. What is Goofy's favorite brand of shoes? No idea. Oh, Hilk Taylors. <laughs> Hilk Taylors. Get it? Get it? Chuck, Chuck Taylors. Wow. <laughs> One more. 
How did Minnie save Mickey from drowning? How did Minnie save Mickey from drowning? Mouse to mouse resuscitation. Mm, nailed it. Got it. Hot dog. <laughs>